This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. When I first wrote down my purpose in creating the politics of everything, I wanted to cover the issues that matter most to everyday people in the 21st century. In my weekly opener, I mentioned this episode's topic as one of those big issues. I admit it's taken me a while to find the right person to speak about this topic because it raises many tricky questions for anyone like me who is in the midst of raising children. We are discussing the politics of motherhood. And on the podcast today, I'm speaking to Kylie Ossel, a mother of three kids under five who launched her own business, Mum Society, in the wake of being made redundant from corporate life after having a baby, a story she loves to tell. Kylie took that all too familiar kick in the pants and turned this seed of an idea into a thriving community for other like-minded mums who are navigating this sticky mess of motherhood and want a touch of glamour. Welcome to the show, Kylie. Hi, Amber. Thank you for having me. So when you were growing up, there were very uh, probably strong images of, of motherhood. I still remember in the 80s and 90s that super mum image and I always personally thought that I'd have that fabulous high-paying career, the white picket fans, the corporate husband that looked like a Ken doll and 2.4 kids and I'd do it all and I would never be sleep deprived. Was that something that you <laughs> aspired to or what did you think as a kid about you know growing up and, and having a family? Do you know what? Looking back, I don't think I ever really thought about a family like that. I mean, we we didn't have the 2.4 kids in my family. I'm the eldest of four, so it was carnage. And my only intention was to never have four children. And I always used to make bold statements that I would only ever have two and the second one would be a surprise. And here I am with three. So I'm not sure if I ever set out with any intention of a perfect life. And now being three children, I don't think there is such thing. Although I still take it as my mission to find every hack imaginable to make our life a little bit easier, not so much perfect. Interestingly, um, you are a mum of three kids and and so um, did you have a career shift? I mean, it sounds like you've had the sort of business career and obviously you were made redundant. We will get to that. But what did you think when you kind of suddenly had a child? Was it everything that you thought it would be? Was it harder? Was life seamless? I imagine not. What's some of your experiences of this kind of good mum image that we all try and project? It's funny. I don't think there is such a thing as a good mum. I think I think parenting equals time and it's about really spending time with your kids and I am not very good at that. And it's it's my downfall all the time and the thing that I genuinely feel most guilty about. But in terms of career, I was almost a little bit bitter and twisted that it happened so quickly for us to have a baby because I thought I was in my dream job and I thought that I was going to soar and it just felt a little bit premature. I felt like I could have had another year under my belt. It's that it's that crazy thing when you're of those child child rearing ages that you're also in a position where you should be soaring in your career. So it's hard. It's very, very hard to have both. I think um, if I had my time again, 
I'd probably, I, I probably would have waited a year and travelled more and, and just, I don't know, been a little bit more adventurous because it really does change everything and you don't know it at the time and for some people it hits a little bit later but for me you know I really struggled with it during those first years. And I must admit I'm, I'm not great at that little kid phase either I just find you know Play-Doh and, and doing repetitive tasks quite boring at the best of times and the isolation of motherhood too I think if you're used to kind of going out and socializing and you had a career in the liquor industry so you would have a very social job and suddenly you're at home by yourself a lot of the day and it's a massive effort to even get out the door. How have you kind of navigated that for yourself? I think the first year, I mean, this is a true story. I bribed, well, I didn't bribe him, but there was a lovely coffee man that used to go to a construction site not too far from our house. And I ran into him once while I had a screaming baby in the pram trying to get her to sleep. And I just said, here's $50. Can you bring me a coffee twice a week for the next couple of weeks? Because I'm really not coping. And it was kind of like my sanity. It was my saving grace because I really felt like I couldn't get anywhere because for the most part, my first was a cracking sleeper. Don't worry, I've been punished. I got my (laughs) second child and I haven't slept since and she's almost three and a half. So I that was my way of staying social but also very much the foundation of why I created Mum Society. I was lonely and isolated and, you know, now that I've got three kids, my time for me is far more valuable than it was with the first. Like I recognised the importance of it and I certainly didn't with the first. I was a little bit of a martyr about it. I can't go too far, I'm breastfeeding and by the third baby, baby I was like if a baby can live in a drain for five days I'm sure the baby's going to be okay (laughs) extreme parenting I love it yes but you know we get into this position where you literally don't do anything for yourselves and I know this is a fact I know I I, even the mum's saying that they haven't had a shower for like two days I'm like are you joking like I for me, my non-negotiable was I'd have the shower before my husband left to go to work because I knew that's the only time I'd get and I just, I couldn't deal. I just couldn't but be in my pyjamas all day. I just couldn't do it. I actually would feel like subhuman. I know that sounds terrible. No, it doesn't at all, but it, it's different for everybody. So I remember when I did a wardrobe call, I had um, a professional organiser, Mizion Plus. So Anita came over and we did this big oh, wardrobe call. on my show. I know, I know. Her and I, I, think, I think I was supposed to be on before her, but we've rescheduled 27,000 times. <laughs> and but, that's um, all because of motherhood. <laughs> I know, I know. But Anita and I were chatting about it. And then afterward, it was interesting how many people came up to me and said, oh, I don't, I, I don't have an issue with clutter or I'm really good at culling. Yeah, I was too, but now I have three kids and and time and what my priorities are are different. Absolutely. I would love to have a shower every day before my husband leaves, but with three kids, we literally go into battle with like vests on to get them out the door. It's crazy in the morning <laughs> and we've also got a hot water system that's not continuous and my husband's pretty unlikely to listen to this, but he uses all the freaking hot water. So my shower happens at a different time. But also with with Sadie and Frankie, there's just under two years between them and you can't leave Frankie alone with Sadie because she'll probably kill her. She would pick her up by the head type stuff. Yeah. So it's 
it's different for everybody. My non-negotiable totally. is a one-hour Pilates class on a Monday night. and But that only happened after. before then. I didn't have a non-negotiable. I've literally fumbled my way through. And how I'm still standing is beyond me. Like I stop every couple of days and go, all right, how did I make it through that? And that's that's how it is in these early years. It's like the art of war parenting style. And we'll get to this point now about gender because it's a very conflicted topic when it comes to the, I guess that balance of what happens at home. And I know in Australia we're pretty ordinary at it. Like I've got lots of friends in Nordic nations where, you know, the men take the 12 months off, they have paid parental leave, which does help, and that's equalised it. So you don't see a man at a cafe in Amsterdam and go with a pram, oh, my God, there's daddy daycare, how cool is that? He's dressed the baby, all those sorts of little quips, which you do if you see you know, a dad with a kid out without any mom and any female support. Why do you think we're still so behind and how can we make it more the norm for dads to be hands-on? Like I've read, for example, dads don't even want to take parental leave even if it's offered at their company, like they're back at, on day four, back at the office. Oh, it's interesting. You've got a couple of questions in there. But one, I remember back in the days of LVMH, I remember one of the dads taking parental leave. And I also remember a senior executive saying to him, well, that's career suicide. And I don't think that attitude has changed at all. So I think parental leave is a huge part of it. And it's about management setting an example. That's one thing. Culturally, there has to be a huge shift. And I think that'll have a knock-on effect at home. I mean, for me, it's something that still makes me quite angry because our plan was for my husband to take parental leave. And I said this last week when I was interviewed by Georgie Gardner, and she said, you know, what was what was so bad about it. And I was explaining that I was angry about my redundancy because our family plan was for him to have that experience. And I honestly think if he had that experience, there'd be a much more equal playing field if he could see what goes into a day. You know, the the stereotypical, oh, well, what have you done all day? I mean, yesterday alone, I sat with a sick baby with the remote on the other side of the room. Don't you hate that? And wish I had Jedi powers. But (laughs) I had to hold her. She's so poorly. And yes, I should be grateful to hold her, but I was bored. So I, I think it would be nice for them to experience it in all of its glory so that there is a lot more gender equality. I mean, every now and then I have said, uh, you need to remember that the example you're setting with me and with the girls is what they're going to hope for in the future with a partner. Totally. And totally. I, I don't know, I think I need a wife, to be honest. <laughs> like I just... oh, I'm, sure you've, I'm sure you've read Annabelle Crabbe's The Wife Drought, that book. Just I felt like it spoke to me in ways other books never have. I've never been great at all those sort of traditional, you know, mummy blogs and anything that's particularly like, I don't know, it just doesn't speak to the societal Emma, side of where, it. This is where you forget how old my children are. No, I haven't read it. Yes, I would <laughs> like to. I'll get yes. you the audio book for, for, for Christmas. But do you know what? I know this is awful. Here I am sitting on a podcast and I haven't listened to any of the ones even I've been on yet because if I don't have children around or if I'm in the car alone, I don't want to listen to anything. I turn the volume down and I drive in silence. I'm just not there yet. I'm not ready for an audio book. I want silence. I want some quiet. I don't want to hear anything just for a little bit. And when I resurface, I will enjoy all of these things. 
Absolutely. You still got very young children. I mean, my youngest is five. So I'm sort of at that. My youngest is the same as your oldest. And I'm, and I've got four years gap. And I have to admit, there's challenges in that too. Like I was, we were completely out of nappies. We were like done. And then I'm back there again. I had to buy a new pram. I gave away everything. I was having one child. Like I, I didn't have anything. I ceremoniously burnt the bugaboo. It was so gross after the first child, you know, like it was really full on. So yes, we're all different. I just think it's all relative. It's all relative. I mean, I try to think that you get what you're able to cope with. So tell us how Mum Society came to life and why did you decide to start a business in the midst of having your first child? Like what have you learned from that? That's crazy. I know. It still feels crazy. Three children down. I'm a little bit of a nutcase on that front. So what actually happened was when I was made redundant over maternity leave over email, I was absolutely devastated. And you said in your intro a story I have to tell. I actually don't. I get sweaty palms. I get angry. And I, I, I feel a fire in my tummy going again because it just shouldn't have happened. And it's not that businesses don't need to restructure. It's nothing like that. It's just the process. I found that having a baby had me at my most vulnerable because I had no idea what I was doing. And what Absolutely do you, just no to idea. step back into that moment, was it, yeah. do you think, do you see it as personal? Like, do they choose you with the baby to go versus the guy without the kids? Like what, what's the thing that for you hurt the most? It sounds like the fact that it was done by email, but is it the timing? Is it because you're a mum? What was the kind of the nuance of that? Well, all of it. And there's a number of elements that I can't speak about because I'm still under a gag order, I think for three more months. But uh, the issue was, it was bigger than that. It wasn't considered a bona fide redundancy. So it wasn't legitimate, which meant I had to go legal and going legal with a baby and still breastfeeding and meeting a stinky lawyer that was supposed to look after me and wasn't capable of nurturing me made it a really difficult process. But part of actually going through that process was because I had the seed of an idea to have a conference for mums. Because I thought to myself, what if while you're on maternity leave, someone was actually looking after you instead of sending you on your merry way from your employer with a baby blanket and a bunch of flowers, you were in a position where you were able to nurture yourself and your development and having an intelligent conversation once a month. And that's where the idea came from. It's very much like a TED-style talk for mums every month where we bring women together and they leave sharing a story with a spring in their step and something interesting to discuss once a month. And I've got women that it is their only outing once a month. So to go back to your question, there are so many reasons I'm angry about that redundancy. It was the process. It was the fact that I I was not expecting it and it came over email. It was the fact that in Sydney, I managed to secure childcare and paid deposits for. So I lost all of those deposits. Financially, we're in a position where I needed to return to work. I'd been off for 12 months and we're in a position where we'd paused our mortgage but needed to start funding that again. It was so it put us in financial ruins for some time. And even now, and anybody with a startup business knows that it takes a bit of time to build. So there's there's a number of reasons and somebody else stepped straight into the role at the time I think it was the boss's one it it just it wasn't right it wasn't fair it wasn't just and it wasn't right so yeah I oh gosh now I feel all fired up is it too early for a glass of wine <laughs> I just, it's, it's, just, it's five o'clock somewhere don't worry 
perfect. It's just one of those experiences that somebody, no other mother should need to go through. You, you should have certainty that you're returning to the same place that you left or the same role or a similar role or similar level. And that is legislation and it shouldn't be questioned, but it is. There's loopholes everywhere. Is there anything that you would have done differently if you knew what you knew now? I, I, I think I would have saved before going on maternity leave. So that would have covered the financial component. Yes. I wish I had have had the concept for Mum Society sooner than the redundancy happening so I could have probably got started and built it up so that I was in a better position. Um, not too much else. I mean, I, I probably should have fought harder in terms of the legal sense and I should have had more support, but it didn't really exist. I mean, it's six years ago and things have come a very long way since then. So, yeah, no one even talked about this stuff really six years ago. Like it was just sort of done, I think, and swept under the carpet in a way. I think it still is, to be completely honest with you. Uh, the, there was an interview recently that I did and it was very difficult for them to find somebody that would speak out. It had to be somebody in their own business or in their own role because otherwise they'd be blacklisted and not be able to get another job because it's very clear. All you need to do is a search and it'll come up. So it's really, really difficult that this still exists. Absolutely. So I think many experts would agree that no generation has parented as intensely as our generation. This whole idea of, you know, play dates that you organise four weeks in advance and how many activities kids do, I guess there's that risk that you don't want to not take it too seriously, but the whole idea that we have to get it right all the time has probably in some ways had the opposite effect when we're seeing childhood issues that they didn't see maybe 20 years ago, things like cyberbullying, anxiety and depression in kids as young as eight. Oh. I think it would be interesting to get your take on this overparenting idea and, you know, how can we get that balance back a bit? It's crazy. I actually just read uh, statistics on anxiety and there's a suicide rate has increased by 200% and that in itself is horrific and frightening yeah it is and there's so many theories behind it the fact that they're not playing enough and having enough free play and there's too much digital stimulation and the way that we've parented has changed I mean in some ways I'm lucky and unlucky actually that's such a terrible term and I try not to use it but I am trying to be around my children as much as I possibly can. But in saying that, the fact that I'm building a business makes it really difficult to ever be present. And, you know, my husband found some videos of a little while ago and it would have been right in the startup stages of Mum Society or maybe a year down the line and he was like, oh, my gosh, even then you were on your computer or you were doing this. And I just feel incredible waves of guilt. And uh, <laughs> I don't think balance exists. I used to believe that, it was this amazing thing that we aspire to and I really think it's some things go, some things come and you've got to pick and choose at any one time. So maybe do a weekly review of what's working and what isn't. I mean with my kids and the fact that I've got a surprise third changes my opinion and stance on so many things. I guess with your first you kind of have no idea what you're really doing and with your second you're still trying to maintain some sense of control because there are only two or there's two adults and it sort of works and with a third you realize it's going to go really quick you cannot possibly win and sometimes you just need to but you're also 
hyper aware of how fast it goes because you can look at the other two and all these moments are quite short-lived. So I I think in- it is like that cliche where they say you know the days are long but the years are short kind of oh, thing. Oh, so is. I remember getting home from hospital even with my second and holding my first and just sobbing, going, "I don't remember any of it." And you are so big right now. You are so big, and I've missed all of it. So I think to go back to school activities and all of these bits and pieces, I had a full nervous breakdown at about week six of term one. I did have a new baby. I had our third little surprise oopsie Sadie and I found it really difficult getting there and getting back and I just couldn't get a groove. And yeah, I, absolutely. You've got to be kinder to yourself. It sounds like you need I, a little bit of empathy on yourself. Yeah, I'm pretty hard when it comes to that and I guess the hacks that I work with is in terms of external activities, I deliberately steered away from them because I knew I couldn't take on anything more. Play dates, yeah, absolutely. if it works for me, I jump on them. I've noticed that in the playground you've got to eye off people with three kids. They are your friends because their house is already crazy, so throwing another three kids in the mix or more does not bother them whatsoever. Or single child families, but you can't do play dates at their house because they can't handle the craziness of an extra three. Um, oh, it's character uh, building for them. Come on. <laughs> no way. I'm not going to be replacing items. They're the ones with the white couches. Joey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All that Cocoa Republic furniture is not going to look so yeah. good after you leave. <laughs> no, not, not with three kids and probably some home-baked chocolate brownies. No. I think um, the other premise that I worked on is if they won't remember, I'm not doing it. And I get that's a really bad way of thinking. But I was like, yeah, they won't remember this. It was like Frankie, uh, when she turned, I'm sure it was her first birthday or a second birthday, I can't remember. But her first birthday, she got a glove balloon when she got her immunizations from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. I, what is I know, that? I'm so awful. I know. I just blew up a glove and I was like, happy <laughs> birthday. Um, and we also sat her in front of somebody else's birthday cake at a plan the people at the birthday to pose in the photos so we could pretend that we had a party for her. She won't remember. It doesn't matter. It's a white lie that keeps you going. So Absolutely. I think we're hard <laughs> on ourselves and that's what I'm trying to get to with that point about the overparenting. It's, you know, there's like a million courses you could do and it doesn't mean you need to get it right. Like it's, it's just crazy. There's something that I feel like I've only come into in the last maybe couple of months and that th- this is completely honest and I think that, It was Jessica Rowe that really shook me up. She pulled me aside at the event and we had a bit of a chat and she said to me, I don't like going to the park. I was like, neither do I. And it's funny, I actually don't mind it now that I'm looking at it differently. So what I've started to do is I am doing things that I enjoy. And if I'm in a place that I enjoy and want to be, I can enjoy my children a lot more. And look, taking them to a nice restaurant isn't an option. But if I'm going somewhere by the beach where the view is magnificent, it's a lot easier to enjoy them. Uh, And so I flipped it on its head a bit instead of trying to do a play date or trying to do this or trying to do that. I'm really trying to make the most of what I want to do and what makes my heart happy because it makes me a better mum. Okay, so this is kind of a polarizing question, but how would you define yourself as a mum? Hover helicopter, free range mum, or tiger mum, and why? Mm, I think I'm actually none and all of the above, and I'm a bit of a survival mum. Ask me in about a year, I think, Amber. No, um, I think 
If I'm in a playground and there is a situation that I consider nastiness, spiteful or bullying of any child, you will see me go a little bit tiger mum. I will defend any child because I think it's our duty to try and stamp out issues like that in the playground. I am a little bit free range. I'm certainly, I like them to figure out things for themselves. I am not a helicopter mum by any stretch. And I had a few people go, are you seriously letting her climb that? And that was our one-year-old was climbing up the ladder at the playground in Centennial Park. And I just thought it was awesome. I was going, wow, she's really determined and she wants to do it. And and I was standing with her and they're going, oh, you're crazy. I would never let mine do that. So I'm certainly not helicopter mum. I'm survival mum. I'm the treading water mum. That's what I am. <laughs> just... <laughs> It depends on the hour and the day, but the sounds of it, I think all of us relate to that as well. Yeah. Have you had any special mentors in your life and what have they taught you about success in this massive journey of motherhood? It's interesting because because of the nature of mum society, I have a different speaker every month and often it's exactly what I need at any particular time as to whom I've gravitated toward. It's funny, everyone thinks I've got this amazing, amazing strategic plan on who and when, but I feel really lucky to be able to speak to these women that are at height and pinnacle of the career, their careers and I've taken away a tip from every single one of them. You know, Vashti Whitfield, be here now. She lost her partner. Yes. She's, she's just mind-blowing and I always think back to her. I've got, you know, Jessica Rowe taught me about the playground and how she just doesn't really enjoy it, but also how to just back yourself. Tracy Spicer stood up and she is fighting such an amazing fight right now and it it empowered me to continue to do what I'm doing and that reinforces that part. On the parenting front, I don't know. I, I think it depends what you get, like what kind of child you get, what what their nurture's like. It depends on your relationship. It depends on what external factors you've got going on at the moment. I feel like I'm very analytical and that's not doing a comparison with everyday mums, but I'm always wondering how they seem to have it together if they do and what I can take from it to make our life easier or improve our life in some way, shape or form. I think, I don't think I've got a specific mentor that's no a little bit from everyone I, I get that and I think that makes sense in the in the blended world which you are navigating as a mum and a business owner and all the bits and pieces that go with that so finally what would be your biggest advice maybe one two or three tips for anyone embracing the politics of motherhood I think uh, number one would be to look after yourself and it's so cliche but absolutely put yourself first because no one else is going to be putting you first. And once you do that, you've got a better value on yourself. Your children can see that you've got a value on yourself and your time. Your partner can see that you've got a value on yourself and your time and it's going to help you be the best version of you. Number two, don't lose sight of your own goals. I guess that rolls back into number one again. So let's make number two... Accept your children for who they are and they're all individuals and they've got their own little nuances and and let them be who they are. Like really nourish them to be their own individual selves. And number three, wine, drink lots of wine. <laughs> with cubes of ice in it. No. <laughs> with, with your big wedge of, of ice, no. Number three is your relationship and I don't 
underestimate how hard it is to be a single parent by any stretch. But if you are in a relationship and you're co-parenting, you really need to have a priority on that relationship to keep the foundation strong. We're at an age now where I'm noticing there's friends and friends of friends separating and I, it's bizarre. I keep taking it really hard like I'm in some way involved and I'm not at all. But some of them you think have really got it together and they just let it slide and I want to be another statistic. So really have a priority on your relationship. Oh, it's been great chatting to you today, Kylie. If anyone wants to connect with Kylie Ossel and Mum Society, there will be some details on our show notes. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms that's b-e-s-p-o-k-e-c-o-m-m-s.com.au and we'll be sure to get back to you until next time